You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowance and I'm joined by Matt Kendrick. Um, before we do these, we normally have a little bit of a chat for a couple of minutes before we go on just to kind of get our thoughts together. But we are a bit in a bit of a rush uh, today to a certain extent, so we need to crack on within half an hour, ideally. So we had no kind of chit-chat, Matt, which is why I'm smiling, because... You know, we, we we're speaking for the first time for, uh, about the game rather than the five minutes beforehand. So Villa beat Leeds three nil, three wins on the spin, three clean sheets on the spin, nine goals scored. I think I think it is if my maths is right. Just fun, isn't it again? The English bird camp, the English bird camp, Callum Chambers, the English bird camp. Good. I've been practicing that. Um, yeah, really, wasn't it? I didn't. I didn't think we'd lose tonight, but I didn't. I didn't predict. I didn't. Didn't envisage that we'd win three nil either. Mm. Um, brilliant. We've just hit our rhythm again, haven't we? We've uh, done the worst thing they can possibly do and got us feeling optimistic again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about. Yeah, where's that? Where are we going to finish? Can we still push into Europe? You know, how high up the table can we get? It's just about enjoying. Enjoying the football for the for the remainder of the season, I think, uh, in the same way that that Gerard says things about Coutinho, like, oh, let's just enjoy him <laughs> rather than worrying about his contract. Let's just enjoy watching him. That's kind of how I feel about about watching him for the rest of the season. It's building momentum. It's getting the players playing under Gerard's style, getting some momentum, some confidence, and, and taking that good run into to next season as much as anything. Um, yeah, just just a really fun fun night watching Villa again, isn't it? And and that's that's what it's all about. You, you wanna you wanna be entertained. You wanna have fun watching your side, and that's what Villa are giving us at the moment. Yeah, and we're scoring some brilliant goals as well, yeah. aren't we? Um, I know the first one was uh, a dodgy deflection, but the build up was brilliant. Probably could have had mm. a penalty as well during the build up. Um, and you know, just the you got your, your right back who's. You know, cutting inside and hammering it in, in his le- on his left foot for his second goal, and then your two centre halves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. L- linking up like a kind of a number ten, the centre forward to to you know, I don't know, wrap things up or um, you know, put the cherry on top with a, with a brilliant goal like that. And it's just it's glorious to see after the quality of some of the goals that we saw on Saturday, and now we're seeing those again tonight. It's just you know, it's it's a bit of a cliche, but you. It, some of the goals are worth the admission fee alone, aren't they? Or worth, yeah. you, worth your Amazon, <laughs> yeah, Amazon Prime subscription fee alone, aren't they? <laughs> um, let's do what we always do then and go back go out to team news. Me and Pat did a podcast in the week, might have been yesterday actually, and we talked about you know the, the age-old cliche, do you change a winning side? And I would like to, I said to him, I would like to see some kind of statistics on Villa, you know, if they change the winning side, do they, do they fail to win the next game? And we kind of said that Dean probably has to come back in because against Rafina, uh, Ashley Young probably wouldn't do great. Dean's the first choice. He comes back. Consul was the one that we were kind of, I, I thought he might stick with Chambers. Pat thought, no, Consul's your best defender. He comes straight back in. Um, but you definitely leave the forward line as is. Ings and Watkins are starting to click and, and Coutinho is the magic man, isn't he? So let them do their thing. And it was that he, he stuck with Chambers, which I think probably surprised a few people based off our social media comments saying, where's Esri Consul? And, it's quite a brave decision, isn't it, to leave out your first choice or second choice centre back for for Chambers because he's had a good game against Southampton, but certainly rewarded, isn't it, with the, the another clean sheet and, and that excellent finish as well, which is obviously not what you sign somebody like Callum Chambers for. But Edgar Conscious struggles to get back in the side now. 
isn't it nice though that we've now actually yeah. got three first choice centre halves? Yeah. Because um, respect with respect to Courtney Horse, he's always played second fiddle. Twan Zebi left because he knew he wasn't getting getting a look in. Now Stephen Gerrard thinks he's got three three centre halves he can trust to to start a game if needs be, yeah. and he justified it. You know that that's another clean sheet. I mean that that was important. I'm glad that we. You know, obviously glad that we scored three goals, but I'm glad that we, we kept, kept another clean sheet because... Well, yeah, because we, we didn't want another three all. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I know you, you texted me, didn't you, saying you texted me at about 75 minutes <laughs> saying... Oh, no, it was just before the third goal, wasn't it? Just you before me the saying, third. This will be fun. I was like, no, no, don't jinx it yet. <laughs> um, and I think I started to believe when the third goal went in. But no, there's a, there's a really solid solid platform there. I thought Leeds started the second half really, really brightly and thought, oh, no. You know, we're going to be under the cosh a little bit here. The, you know, Ted Lasso's clearly got stuck into a half point <laughs> um, and they're going to produce a bit of a response. But whether, weathered, I think I think I said whether the storm, whether whether the drizzle for 10 minutes and then that second goal just killed them, didn't it? Mm. Um, they were never going to be as bad again in the, in the second half, where they were extremely poor in that first half. They, I don't think they had a, an attempt on target at all, or maybe one. Uh, actually, no, I think it was Gelhard didn't took the, the first shot from miles out on target. So absolutely nothing for, from Leeds to be concerned about in the first half. And you, you knew they'd come out and have a bit of a mini revival. But again, like you said, I, I never thought at any point during that game we, we'd go on to, to kind of throw it away like we did in the reverse fixture. Yeah, it was a it was a very competitive game. There, one of those, so many yellow. How many yellow cards did we get in the end? About six. I don't know as many as that. Um, Watkins, Mings, uh, Louise. I think three or four for for Villa. I don't know how many yeah. in total. Um, yeah, the atmosphere and stuff like that. It's all going to contribute, isn't it? To you know the cliche of it, it being a difficult place to play at Ellen Road. Um, Jesse Marsh's first home game for them. Uh, absolutely scrapping for every point they flashed up the league table and I didn't realise that Everton got three games in hand over them so uh, it sort of goes without saying that Leeds are in trouble but a six Premier League defeats in in a row now for them which is horrific um, in the preview that we, that we did I kind of said I don't see Villa winning three in a row for some reason that's not kind of a, a thing that Villa tend to do I asked Ash during the game when was the last time we did it and it was when we won four in a row at the start of last season um, and, and Leeds losing five in a row at some point in that atmosphere is going to get them over the line and, and they'll pick up the odd points here and there you know, teams don't lose six in a row do they um, so I was, it was all set up for me to be a bit bit nervy maybe we'll, we'll nick a 2-1 two, a two, one or a one all draw and the atmosphere will get on top of us a little bit and a, a player that that could have happened to Tara Mings getting absolute stick all the way through. There was a, a period where he kind of went over to their fans. I think he kicked the ball into there and one of their fans threw it back at him and he kind of stared them down and chanted at him all night. There's a bit of a history there, isn't there, between Mings and, and Bamford and their fans don't really like him, which is whatever. But that's a, a, Mings is the kind of player that might kind of buckle under that from, from time to time and make a mistake. And there was a couple of occasions where I thought, oh God, he looks a bit shaky there. But ultimately he's... Uh, part of a defence that keeps a clean sheet and goes on to win the game and keeps his cool, keeps his concentration, and and it does a good job in a, in a tough atmosphere. Yeah, I think it was early on, wasn't it, where um, Dan James has gone across. You know, the Villa have played it out across the across the defensive line, and Leeds have pressed them really quickly and really high. And Dan James is rapid, isn't he? As we saw at Villa mm. Park, uh, 
and he's caught Mings, I think, or he's Mings has screwed it out of play or something under, under pressure. You think, uh oh, is that going to be the one? Is that going to unsettle Mings? Uh, yeah. You know, the fans were made in public enemy number one for some reason, sang about him more than they did their new manager. Um, there wasn't many but, chances for the new manager, was there? There was a lot of talk about them kind of praising, praising up Bielsa and stuff. I didn't really hear any of that. It was sounded like a good atmosphere. And, and that will, again, like I said, just, I think that will kind of get them points here and there. Um, but yeah, just a lot of kind of anti-Villa stuff, which is, if that's how they want to build the atmosphere, then that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll shut that up by winning 3 0. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gerard heard Gerard speak being interviewed before the game, and, you know, he said we need to we need to have more control of the spaces on the pitch. We can't let it become a basketball game like it was at Villa Park. And I think Villa Villa did that. I think they, they were they were fairly solid and, and, and compact mo- most of the game. Um, and they've got that. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice to see Danny Ings. You know, people were writing him off, I think, a few weeks yeah. ago. But he's got another assist tonight. He was brilliant, brilliant little kind of one-two, headed one-two um, with Dean for, for the first goal. Um, and Watkins just seems to have a little bit... I mean, he's been booked, hasn't he, in the last two games? He seems to be putting himself about a little bit and playing yeah. a little bit more fire in his belly. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, I said, I said, I've said this previously that we should be scoring in every game because of the the attacking quality that we've got, and hopefully, you know, we're not being spoiled too much. Four goals on on Saturday and three goals tonight, all of which have been supreme quality. Um, let's just hope we've, we've we've saved some for for the next run of matches as well. Uh, talk to me about, about Chambers then, because. I don't know whether we did a, a, a video specifically for him after we signed or whether we just kind of got a mention in passing. Um, I can't remember what we did now, to be honest. But yeah, for me, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is I don't remember talking about it. When he signed, I seem to remember thinking, mm, bit of a bit of a nothing signing, really. A squad player, utility player, centre-back, can play right-back, can play DM. Not sure whether he's going to start many games. And then totally proven me wrong that he's a, a very handy player. And like we said at the start, keeps Ezri Concert out the side who you know that's unthinkable isn't it at one stage Ezri Concert doesn't get back in for for out of favour Callum Chambers Yeah it was one of those hush hush ones wasn't it a bit like the Danny Ings that mm. nobody nobody knew anything about uh, which I think I think I did tweet out Chambers of Secrets um, mm, Good so I'm quite quite pleased with revisiting that um, I was going to say revisiting a tweet from like a month ago <laughs> that people have already seen and not cared listen, about Listen mate I've got I've got <laughs> dad jokes from before I was a dad Um <laughs> Um, yeah, I think a bit like you, probably not underwhelmed. I think I thought it was a, a useful sound. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was bang on whelmed, not overwhelmed, <laughs> not underwhelmed. I was just well and truly whelmed by it, to be honest. <laughs> and um, I think it was a bit like this is the Twanzebi replacement in a way, you know, yeah. kind of a, a player who's got the pedigree of being groomed at a, at a big club with, with big, big expectations. But who will probably play second fiddle? You know, he can play fill in at fullback. He can fill in at right sided centre half. <laughs> can possibly fill in at defensive midfielder if we want the, the new Twanzebe. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Listen, he's, he's played played his part in a couple of clean sheets, and just some. Uh, listen, I'm seduced by the fact that he's played a ball the outside of his boot. Um, to set up a goal on Saturday and then he's pinged, pinged one in the top corner first time without breaking stride swept it swept it beautifully into the top corner today so 
I am a little bit seduced by that, to be honest. But if he's keeping him out at the other end, uh, and he's keeping a player of Esri Kwanzaa's quality, Kwanzaa's quality, Kwanzaa's quality out of the team, you know, long, long mate can continue. This is what we've said. This is what we've strived for. Villa to have a squad, a competitive squad, so mm-hmm. that it can maintain and it can it can keep keep everybody's performance levels high. I saw a tweet on on my Twitter feed. I can't remember who it was from, saying that you know we're three 0 up and we take off Brazilian international Felipe Coutinho and replace him with Argentinian international Emi Buendia. Like, what is this fantasy world that we're living in now that we've got this this depth to 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 pull yeah. out with um, um, Emi Buendia? Just said him, uh, Leon Bailey, also on the bench and doesn't even come on. And yeah. as a player that would get into most sides in the Premier League. Um, so it's good that Villa are heading in a direction where you kind of do have these selection headaches and it's things for us to talk about, but it's in a positive way. And we're not saying that, oh yeah, Chambers sticks in the side because Consu is rubbish. That's that's not what we want to be talking about. Uh, or Brendier or comes in because Coutinho has gone missing for seven games in a row. It's that, that how do these players fit in because we're playing so well? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean the, the good thing about it is what, as well, is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure this will happen all the time, but again, we got into a comfortable lead so that that Stephen Gerrard could, could make very sensible changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got Coutinho off and gave him a little bit of rest and brought Buendia on and Sanson's come on um, for the last last 20 minutes as well. And it's a good Sanson, I thought. Yeah, he did. He did, and it, it, it's all going rather swimmingly, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's about to have the um, the rug pulled out of us, isn't it? With a with a bad defeat or something. That's that's what happens to Villa. Um, Matty Cash, I think that's someone's just put it there. Two goals, three assists in the last three games. Sounds like it might be too many, but I think that is right. Um, and that's a player that we talked about on many occasions of you know pretty good defensively, but maybe kind of lacks a little bit going forward. His crosses aren't brilliant. His end product probably needs to improve to kind of be classed as a not world class right back, but one that you can definitely build into a side that's pushing for top eight European football. And he's really turned it on in the last four or five games, hasn't he? That like you said at the, at the very start, to cutting on his on his weaker side and, and scoring the way he did, and the ball across for the first one as well. Brilliant player, Cash. All of a sudden, no, I liked him anyway. But he's really, like I said, he's really stepped it up in recent weeks. He was playing in the championship eighteen months ago. Well, yeah. And now he's probably. It's not going to start. Wasn't even probably, a right back two or probably, three years ago. Well, nobody. Now he's probably. He's probably one of the. I wouldn't say he's one of the the, the best half a dozen right backs because I think he's still. You got to prove it over three or four years in the top flight. Yeah. But I think he's probably one of the most noticeable in terms of. You see, you know, there's lots of right backs who would be very steady and wouldn't impact games. Certainly, going forward, the way he does, I think. Listen, he's, he's claimed an, an assist again tonight. I think he, I think that ball, he can play those low balls. I think sometimes his delivery, kind of his high crosses, are the ones that that's probably mm-hmm. the, the biggest aspect of his game that needs working on offensively for me. You know, he, he's probably a little bit rash defensively still and can be prone to, to, to leap in a bit too too easily. Um, but, you know, he's brilliant. I don't, I don't want him to be playing La Liga next season. I want him to be in the Premier League, getting even better with Aston Villa because I think he's quality. I think it's a quality piece of, of scouting and, and signing. Um, yeah, love him. Um it's up into the top half now. I was just checking there while you're talking. Uh, ninth place, I think it is. Uh, 36 points. Um, 
I don't want to bring this up. I mean, it's going to sound like I am, but I'm not. I don't want to bring this up in a way of, I told you so. That's what it's going to sound like. Uh, four or five games ago, there's fans talking about relegation and where's the next point coming from. And I know it can feel like I've had conversations on the way home from from games with my dad and you kind of think, oh, bloody hell, I don't know, I don't know when the next goal is coming from, when, when the next point's coming from. But the talk that we had at one stage where it was, oh, Villa could be in trouble of, of slipping into it here. You kind of, what I always kind of felt you'd still win three or four games to the rest of the season to make yourself safe. I didn't quite predict that it would be that we'd win the next, the next three in a row in such convincing fashion. But is there any, an element almost of being a bit patient and knowing that it's going to take time to to build something and not kind of throw everything out because you, you lose a couple of games? Yeah, I mean, of course there is, but I suppose it's the prerogative of a, of a football fan, isn't it, to to fall into the depth of despair whenever things don't don't go right. It's hard, isn't it? If, if we were to go and perform really badly on Sunday, is it West Ham? West Ham? West Ham Sunday. Yeah. If we were to go and perform really badly on, on Sunday, how brilliant we were tonight and on Saturday last weekend is not going to sustain <laughs> sustain us during the Sunday night meltdown, is it? That that's 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 the way football is. It's it's dissected and talked about and dominates such so much of our lives now that you're only as good as your last game, aren't you? You're only as good as your last yeah. performance. But it should, you know, if we were all look prepared to step out of it and look at the bigger picture, it should sustain us because we we should now know that we have got a very good starting eleven, I think. And we've got probably top half of Premier League. Half of our bench is probably top half of the Premier League as well, which again is a pretty pretty impressive turnaround given given where we've come from. And I know I've seen a few people tweeting it, um, including Jack Grealish today. It's three years today, isn't it, since uh, since that pivotal win at Birmingham City when mm-hmm. Jack got covered around the head and then responded perfectly by scoring the winning goal. I think what's happened in those three years? Feels like you know, a lot longer than three years, doesn't it? It feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, but we're, I think we're an, we're an established Premier League team now. We could have yeah. only jumped to that a couple of years ago. We are that now. We are that. Yeah. You know, and when we when we winning so convincingly, convincingly, and winning in such an eye catching way, I think we just have to really, really relish it and revel in it. I just said about kind of not getting sucked into. Oh, when trying to get into Europe this season and things like that, is, does eighth place get you some kind of European football? Is that right, or does it depend on other results in like the winner of the Champions League and all that kind of stuff? Do you know? Oh, it's, it's, it's too early, mate. <laughs> too, too early to, to start working out all the permutations. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far down it, it goes now, and who needs to win what for it to open up more places. Um, let's just try and get there first. Let's try and finish eighth. Or seventh, or sixth. Well, yeah, that was that was where my my question was going. Like, what is the the ceiling or the the ambition for the rest of the season? Is it just to finish as high as possible? Is it to to get more points than last season? What what would you kind of kind of um, assess as success for the rest rest? What is it? Ten games, something like that. Eleven games. I think if we can match last season's point tally, given where we've had to come from this season, I mean, where how many points have we on now? Thirty six. Thirty six now. Good. So that's another 19 points from 11 games. So I think we got, I think we probably can aim higher than that. To be fair, I think I think if we can eclipse last season's points points tally and see where that gets us, I think that's that's got to be got to be seen as success. And then it's it's a really exciting summer because mm. Gerard will have seen 
in the last couple of weeks, if not the weeks before it, enough in a lot of these players to think, yes, they can take us to the next level. But equally, he's not going to hang around, is he? he he's going to, the, the ones that he doesn't think are quite ready for it, you know, I still think we'll make three or four new signings in the summer, three or four new signings who are going to be first team ready and come straight into the team. Um, really? What positions? It's a, it's a really, um, it's a really interesting question. I think we'll probably still. Thank you. Yeah. Say again. Thank you. Praising <laughs> my questions. <laughs> I'm just buying myself time to think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We, I think we. we, we if you talk about three or four, three or four starters potentially. I mean, me and me and Pat talked about this a little bit. And I think we are going to do kind of, uh, you know, assessing the squad for next season episode, maybe in the international break at the end of the month as a kind of filler episode, but. Part of it probably does depend on if we lose any players. There'll obviously a lot of talk about Watkins potentially with being an Arsenal fan and them needing the striker. Something like that happens, then you need to sign a striker. Let's say you don't sell anyone of the of the main starting eleven. If you're signing three or four players to come in and start, that's a, it feels like we've got a kind of good base there at the moment and to to rip that up. I mean, unless they're massive improvements. I just don't know where that would be. Centre-back, maybe. Maybe Mings is, is one that's always talked about. Midfield, obviously, the comments are going crazy. Hold a midfielder, yeah, that's a that's a, a no-brainer. Cash and, and Dean are the first choice. Conce is probably the, the first choice centre-back. Martinez stays. Ings, maybe, is getting on a little bit. But what what you've got to say, even if we sign four players to come into our first team, that that doesn't mean the end of the Villa careers. For yeah, yeah of course, yeah. We wouldn't have... We wouldn't have Thought about Esri Conza being left out of the team when fit, would we? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that suddenly that's his Villa career over. So, Gerard want well, not just Gerard, but we as a fan base and the the owners of the of the football club as well want us to make that next step. And I can just get I've got to be careful what I say here because the, it didn't didn't pan out particularly well last time round, but. I can see, and I think he'll handle it a, a lot better because he's got a lot more of his managerial career in front of him. But I can see, you know, when O'Neill got a little bit kind of anxious towards the end of his career and he thought, I really need to get Villa in the top four to really kick on with my career and to, you know, manage Manchester United or Liverpool or, or whatever it was. Gerard's not there yet. He's only been a manager for, you know, three or four four years. But... I can see him. Consolidation doesn't do doesn't do him much, to be mm. honest. He's used to challenging. He's used to challenging for for titles and and, and and cups. So I think. But the the good thing about Gerard is he's coming at a time where there's a fresh new these owners who are fresh, who are wealthy, who are really really motivated and invested in this to want to back him. O'Neill got to the stage where he was a re- he was a man in a hurry. Probably didn't have the charm or the the personality then because he was so frustrated to to get what he wanted. Randy Lerner had already tried to do that two or three times. He'd already let O'Neill build several back fours and sign you know sign several kind of incarnations of that team and then not play them. So I think we're going to reach that territory, but we're going to reach it in a much better, much happier frame of mind because we've got Gerard, who I think he can... Listen, I'm making a massive assumption there, but I think he can keep a squad happy, or I hope he can. I think he can keep keep them involved enough to to know that they're not just a a core of 12 players who are going to play every week. Mm. And I also think 
you know, the the board really, really believe in this vision every bit as much as him, and they're not jaded by the experience that that Randy Lerner had. So, because of that, I think that I think Villa will be active, and I think think this will be seen as a big summer to build on. Hopefully, a really strong end to this season. Yeah, I, I suppose playing when you talk about keeping a squad happy, and obviously we, I've said this before, we, you and me aren't at Bodymore. We don't get to be around the players and see what see what that atmosphere is like. But Buendia is probably the prime example of. You know, I wonder what like a penny for his thoughts. I wonder how he's feeling because. I don't know what I don't know what it's obviously I don't know what it's like to be a footballer, but obviously he's playing for one position with Coutinho, who's on absolute fire at the moment. So does he sit on the bench and think I've got no chance here? Like, what's the point to a certain extent? Or does he see that as a team thing and go, bloody hell, he's brilliant in my position, so of course he's going to keep playing because the team are winning. How how do you handle that as a, as a manager? You've got twenty five full fully grown adults there to deal with day to day. They all want to play. They want to progress their careers. They all probably think I should be in that team ahead of so and so. So it's a hard task to keep them um, to keep them motivated. Bailey as well, another example who's probably thinking, I want minutes here. I've signed for this club to play in an exciting project. Not, I'm not even getting a look in off the bench. Um, so how do you keep those players happy? And if he is able to keep them happy, that's a big boost for Villa to have players like that in reserve to come in who are, are ready and fighting to go. I think, you know, if you take Buendir as an example, I think he's got to come on when he's getting those last 15, 20 minutes and he's got to try and make, make an he's impact. He's got to score, hasn't he, effectively, to, to displace Coutinho for the next game? Well, yeah, well, not necessarily score, but he's got to, he's got to do something. He's got to catch the eye. Uh but he's also got to think, well, okay, I'm probably not just compete, competing with Coutinho now. I'm possibly competing with Danny Ings and I'm possibly competing mm. with, with Ollie Watkins as well. Not not to play as a as an out-and-out centre-forward, but to, to play, play in wide areas. I mean, Leon Bailey is an, an interesting one, one for me because at least Buendia, you know, before this this mini winning run, Wendell was probably the bright the bright spark yeah, yeah, yeah. in a really really poor run of form. Bailey just hasn't really got going at all, with with the exception of you know when he when he scored when he came in against Everton, it's not got going for him at all. So I think Wendell probably feels more of a part of it than than Bailey does. So I think it's I think it's it, it's a really interesting dynamic. I don't. I don't think that Steven Gerrard would automatically pick Coutinho if he didn't think that Coutinho was the sharpest, best option. Then I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't think that there'd be favouritism in there. I think he'd be. A, I think he'd back himself to manage the situation with the player that he left out. Um, the fact that Coutinho is his mate probably helps as well. Um, but nice problems to have. Aren't they mm-hmm. really, really nice problems to have? You know, a couple of years. I don't want to keep harking back too much, but a couple of years ago, we we didn't think that we got. We probably thought we got six players that were good enough to start in the Premier League and just keep us up by the skin of the teeth. Yeah. Now we're thinking, how do we get these fourteen or fifteen really decent, exciting, you know, talented Premier League players into a team each week? Because well, you'd have Sanson, Troy, Bailey, and Brendier would probably. Get into most sides around that middle middle section of the Premier League, would they not? Obviously, I'm not saying that Sanson, who's barely kicked a ball for us, is going to go and start every every week for Southampton in tenth. But I mean, if they were signed from Marseille before he came to Villa, they're the caliber of player that are capable of being you know twelfth to eighth in the Premier League, I think. And they're sat on our bench, barely getting a look in because we're in such good form. 
Yeah, I think yeah, that, that, that's the whole idea, though, isn't it? Sign you want to yeah. <laughs> you want to sign players that are good enough to start in the Premier League every week, but regrettably you can't just have eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't work like that, does it? The um, um, go on. Just quickly, I wanted to get your get your thoughts on the change of system. That obviously, when Gerald first came, it was all this talk of a four three three, two number tens behind one striker, or maybe two wingers who will, who will cut inside and, and play a bit more centrally. And that's kind of Ali McCoy was talking about it in the in the, the build up to the game, saying it's still a four three three to an extent, but kind of isn't, isn't it? Because it's, it's two up front, there's two out and out strikers. It's, it's three forwards, but I won't call it a four three three. Anyway, that's besides the point. But we kind of thought that Gerald would stick by that. No, you know, no matter what, the two number tens, Coutinho and Brendan would play together, and it'd be one of Watkins or Ings because we're all saying they don't work together. And then all of a sudden. Watkins and Ings can't play without the other one now that they're, they're both playing together up front and, and both doing well. So it's kind of just your thoughts on, on Gerald's ability to tweak tactically and, and how, how much that has changed things. I just think, you know, he's, he's not a mug, is he? You know, if something's not working, I think he's prepared prepared to change it around and find a formula that does. I mean, this is this this system won't work forever. And when it, do, yeah. when it stops working, he'll change it again. Um I think the the thing for me is that invariably he's getting listen. This is a, a narrow sample based on the last couple of weeks, but he's getting at least two of his three central midfielders producing a performance. Uh, I thought Ramsey was a little bit quiet tonight, but mm. I thought I thought the other two I thought the other two did well. I thought um, McGinn was charging around like a like a mad idiot again. Um, <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what amused me. Did you hear when, when um what did he, what did the what did Alan Coy said? He said um he said he's not he's not got a he's not yeah, he's not got a back he's got a <laughs> not got a backside as good as Key Dal Gleish is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A strange turn of phrase, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm um, glad he was able to tell that line better than you were then. <laughs> Finally getting yeah. out. Um be careful yeah. of the words then. Yeah, um, I also like the way that he referred to Coutinho as the wee fella for most of the game. Just the wee fella's pulling strings. I just like that. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I said we were going to try and keep it to half an hour. There's loads of people watching, almost 700, which is incredible for 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. So thank you for tuning in as always. There's been loads of comments and a lot, actually. Uh, we've spoken about this a few times, but it's obviously a fresh audience asking about that you're shrinking away and that you've lost loads of weight. Congratulations, fair play to you. And we've talked about this a lot, it feels like, but you do look s- smaller every episode. <laughs> I've just got some massive glasses on. I've just got <laughs> massive fu- <laughs> massive comedy glasses on. Um, yeah, it's deliberate. I'm not, not wasted away. Uh, <laughs> You're yeah. not ill or anything. It's, I don't think so. It's slimming more, mate, to be honest. But it's um, I've not been I've not been great. I had a few pints in the really? old one stock yesterday. Uh, which I saw you. I saw your picture there. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. nice place. Actually, I, I've got a couple of shout outs because there was a Villa fan in B and Q, Dan Aldo, in last week God. when I was trying to find a lock for my bathroom door. Um, I thought you were so, having Wi-Fi extenders. Again, I forgot. I got. I had to, oh. get, I had to buy like a toilet brush holder and a, and a lock for my bathroom door. Um, so Alex Blakemore is a big fan of the show, or so he said. Uh, he's, uh, well, well, no, won't it? Because if he hears a shout out at the end of a thirty-minute episode that wasn't the one he told you about, we'll know whether he's a big fan or not. Exactly. So, yeah. So, Alex, come on, prove yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so he, he's a great lad. Uh, part of the Aston Villa Collegate massive. Um, Lovely. 
and um, Neelish from Villains Together, I met yesterday oh, yeah. um, at a diversity uh, conference that we're speaking about, um, diversity in sport, and he's a lovely fella, so we're going to get him on yeah. more soon. Um, we had him yeah. on once before, I think James, James did an episode with him, I think. Yeah, we're going to get him, get him back on, because he's got, got a few things that, that we're going to help help promote. So, uh, no, it's brilliant. Just, can I just say my one random thing as well before we go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, I don't know which player it was who was taking the corner, but did you see the Leeds United fella who was touching his head to, to show where he was going to... You know you know <laughs> when they have these... You know that have, have little secret signs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, outside of uh, Claret and Blue, we run this um, kids' football newsletter called Kick and Mix, which is about junior, junior grassroots football. We did a piece last week saying how many kids in kids' football... Copying these signs, these these things, even though they don't know. <laughs> yeah, what the meaning <laughs> don't mean is. Anything. Yeah, there's a, there's a coach who was saying, "I coach these kids every week, and I've got a corner taker who like taps his head or raises his right hand. <laughs> so I've got no idea what he's doing. <laughs> I just it just amuses me how, how impressionable young footballers are. But anyway, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention. This is away from Villa, but it's a, a trending topic on the internet at the moment. I've seen Crystal oh, Palace and Tottenham. Yeah, wheels and doors. For anyone that doesn't know, I've got to ask it. I feel silly even asking it because I saw Crystal Palace do a video asking their players at training. I thought I was looking at my phone. I was like, just jumping on a trend for the sake of it. And now here I am. Trends aren't they? Here here, here I am doing the same thing. I feel like I've got to ask it. So, for anyone that doesn't know, there's a debate going around the internet at the moment whether there's more doors or more wheels just in the world generally. So, Matt Kendrick, what side are you on? Wheels or doors? It's a really, Do you care? really, it's a really, really. No, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be commit. I don't want to commit to in case somebody counts them and I'm wrong. But it surprises me because this is right up your street. I thought. I thought I'd ask you this, and you'd be going, "Oh, yeah, here we go." I've been waiting to talk about this all day. Oh, I don't know. What do, you... what do you think? I want to know your answer first because I asked the question. Because I'm just going to pick the opposite of whatever you pick. Yours. <laughs> wheels. I'm genuinely. I would say wheels. Why? I don't know, I just think there's more unusual places for a wheel, like suitcases, like skateboards, bikes, motorbikes, scooters. Like, not just cars, not the obvious things, like weird, weird things that you wouldn't even think of. The conveyor belts full of wheels. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Lots, lots of the modes of transport that you said would also have doors, wouldn't they? But plus yeah. houses would have doors, plus all buildings would have mm. doors. But then I, I'm sat on an office chair now with six wheels, and there's only one door to this room. Well, I'm sat in my <laughs> back room, and there's a door there. There's double doors here. There's <laughs> I've got a little TV cabinet with with doors on it. Um, Any cupboards yeah. with wheels on drawers? They got wheels in, so you'd have a door to open it, but then wheels on the on the drawer as well. So it's a very complex matter. Yeah, I don't really want to get too lost in this, to be honest. I've, I've had a really nice night and you've just ruined it with this crap. <laughs> Sam Redding says rollerbladers have got eight wheels and no doors. So I think that... That proves it then, to be honest. Uh, and Steve Webster says there's more bald heads than uh, <laughs> both. So Exactly. exactly. I mean, there's a bald head on the podcast and from what I can see on both of our screens, no doors or wheels. So that is accurate from, from Steve, I think that was. Anyway, I thought I'd ask it just to get in on the trend. That'll probably make us well onto Twitter and, and mug ourselves off when no one cares. But all the comments, a lot of wheels, a lot of wheels, doors. Yeah, okay, cool. Is that what uh, people are saying? Wheels or doors? Is that is that generally? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of both. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Um, Matt, thank you very much for your time. As always, on the Clark Blue podcast, you enjoyed yourself? 
Apart yeah, from the last few that. minutes. <laughs> had a very pleasant evening. Yeah, had a very pleasant yeah. evening. Thank Lovely. You. Uh, thanks to the 700-odd people watching this live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube this evening. If you're not live, then get involved in the comment section uh, on the on the video if you're watching this. not, not you're live. not live? If, no, if they're watching this like tomorrow and we're they're not watching live, leave a comment is what I'm saying. Okay. Or go on Spotify, leave reviews, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Um, thank you very much for watching. As always, I think Ash will be doing some kind of video, uh, maybe just for Facebook um, tomorrow. And then it's match day again on Sunday when are you and me back for West Ham, I'd have thought. Or me and Ash, maybe. I don't know. I'm not it's not sure on telly, either. is it? I'm not sure whether I am. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not on telly, so it might be Ash doing a, a video on Sunday night or something. But yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes, but it'll be another three points filler the way we're going. So um, yeah, we'll see you all in a few days' time. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.